still we fucked up. Fucked up bad. Tell me something encouraging. I just smoked a buck. I smoked a fork. Oh my god, my first year. What's up, guys? Uh, we're back. I feel like it's been quite some time since I've been behind the mic. It's been a little bit. It has. Yeah. I think the last time you were on, Ryan, was uh, in Colorado. Yeah, maybe four or five episodes ago. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's, been it's a, minute. a little weird, a little shaky on it right now. Timmy, you've been heading it up for quite some time. I feel like the last two of them have been you. Been running it. Well, so good. That means I can be quiet and just listen this time. <laughs> oh, no. You, I'm going to just kind of roll with this one. You know what I'm saying? But listen up, guys. We're, uh, we're up up. We're up here in uh, an undisclosed location. Um, I actually reached out to this individual through a hunting forum that we both belong to. And uh, he seems to just post cool stuff. And that being said, I reached out to him and I was wanting to know if he was interested in coming on the podcast and kind of talking to you guys. Turns out he has friends that we kind of know. Timmy knows pretty well, the butlers. And uh, in a roundabout way, we agreed to get it to go. So here we go. Kyle Patterson. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. This is a really cool opportunity. Uh, just to introduce myself, uh, lifelong San Diego resident. Uh, been hunting locally here since I was 12. I'm 42 now, so I have been hunting here a few years. Um, kind of a fourth-generation hunter. Grew up around hunters, grandparents, my dad. Um, enjoy hunting out-of-state, in-state, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I just, I love to hunt anywhere I can, anytime. Dude, there's, um, there's like kind of like a thing going on right now. Cause right now, what's today's date? December 23rd, 22nd. 22nd. So if you guys pay attention to the meat eater podcast and you've paid attention to any of the Ranella drama that's going on in regards to Matt Ranella and Steve Ranella and how like there is Matt Ranella is upset about social media and what it's done to hunting and how it's like changed the landscape and how people hunt for, I don't know, I guess like notoriety and to try to make money out of it and likes and stuff like that, you know, and they post it and it's all about the grip and grin. It's not, you know, he, he basically just goes into this long ordeal in regards to why it's bad. Right. It's been a while. Like there's very few people and they know who I'm talking about, but there's very few people that we've communicated with and have had on this podcast that are truly into hunting. Like for the right reason, they got in before social media and you're one of those guys. You've been hunting since 12. Dude, there's no such thing as social media when you're 12. Yeah. And and honestly, I'm I'm kind of glad there wasn't because Mm -hmm. we can get into technology later, but that's kind of a, just been the biggest change in my kind of hunting careers, the use of technology and all that. And we can touch on that later, but, um, the social media, I mean, I enjoy looking at it. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say, I don't follow Instagram accounts to watch that, but that's not personally what I care about when, right. when I'm hunting, I more about enjoying the outdoors, mm-hmm. taking my son, going with family, going with friends. So the whole grip and grin thing. Yeah. I, I didn't follow that. I didn't catch that whole ordeal, but I, I get it. Yeah. It, it, you can tell. Um, I don't know if you can tell. I shouldn't say that. I just feel as if like sitting here in your presence and we're on your property and you're showing us what you got going on. Dude, you're one of those dudes that you can tell that I guess you're not in 
to that. You're not into the grip and grain. This is more of a tradition. This is a legacy. This is this is something that you've grown up doing, and you re- like. It's you. It's your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually talking about it with my dad the other day. My son is a fifth generation deer hunter, so it's just something that you know I started following my dad around when I was four or five years old. My son does the same thing. You know, my dad following with his father-in-law doing the same thing. So it's just been exactly that. It's just a tradition. It's just, you know, when I grew up, I didn't have any friends that hunted. Right. there, It wasn't very popular. I was really the only kid in my school that took time off to go hunting and, you know, kind of got to do all that. So Really? Like even back then? Even back then, I, I mean, two of my best buds who hunt with me now, I got them hunting in high school and, mm-hmm. like, into college years. So He's yeah. he's only 10 years older than us. No, dude, well, I, I know, but, dude, like, we, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know really. Know. No, <laughs> no, no, with, we're straight. I'm best with <laughs> no, no, But, like, I'm trying to say you typically would grow up and you would have buddies that would be hunters. Like, where I, I didn't start hunting until I was, like, 20, 18, 19, 20-ish was right when I really started to, like, diverge into it like dive into it right uh but when you see dudes that have been hunting their whole life it, it's strange to me that like your friends didn't grow up hunting i guess for whatever reason yeah and i don't know we, i always played sports as a kid so you know all my friends we played sports together but when they would go surfing or snowboarding mm-hmm. like i went fishing or hunting and that yeah. was just i don't know and it was normal to me then but you know it's it's great to see you know my son's a freshman in high school he's got four or five buddies that they fish and hunt with and yeah, which I think is great. And I mean, it's, I think it, part of that's wraps back into technology and social media. Yeah. And it's, it gets kids excited about, it is, it's cool. Or new guys, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 25 years right. old or 12, you know, I, I think like I'm a member of Epic Outdoors mm-hmm. and when I flip through their monthly or bi-monthly magazines that I get, dude, the pictures are cool. The gear is cool. The stories are cool. It's enticing for, I could see how it would make people want to hunt because it's cool. Yeah. It, it looks cool. It looks fun. It's uh, it's, I don't even know if like the right word, it's sexy. Well, well-written sense. stories like Steven Ronello when he, when he writes up about his hunts, I mean, stuff like that is really intriguing. The gripping yeah. grin. That's, that's cool to look at after the story, but it's the adventure that they went on is what, what I like. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what drives, that's what drives me. drives me to it. But and, as and, far as your social media, your Instagram, obviously you, you're going to have some people that are going to start following you. And I'm telling you right now is Instagram does not reflect what's on the wall because no. this is amazing. So we are going to get a picture of that. If that it's okay. The wall. Oh yeah. No, that. Okay. And a group picture anyway. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely fine. For sure. Yeah. It, it's awesome. It tells like a life story here. You got pictures of your old man. The photo pictures, albums yeah. of grandpa. Grandpa. And you said there was a picture of your... My great-grandpa's up there. Exactly. Your great-grandpa with your mom. Yeah, so that would have been probably 1960 with a local fork and horn. Dude, it's cool, man. It's yeah. uh, it's super cool. We kind of touched on it in regards to like you growing up and like growing up through hunting, and now that you're getting your boy into it, let's just uh, let's dive right into his his first buck, man. Okay, cool. Um, so, let's see, it would have been 2019. Um, my dad lives in Idaho now, so we had kind of gone up there really with a different hunting style than what him and I normally would do to go try and chase bigger bucks to where Mm -hmm. we're like, Hey, this whole trip, we're going to focus on trying to get my son a decent buck. And you know, a a typical where 
every other year we see a pile of fork and horns and a pile of small three points. Well, it took, I think, into the fourth day before we even found a legal buck. It was super hot, yeah. super dry, just was not ideal, normal, late season Idaho. Right. And um, ended up spotting this bucket. Well, nobody who's listening can yeah. see it, but it's it's in my garage. And um, we found it on the fourth evening, watched him go to bed, got up early the next morning, hiked back in to this same basin. And luckily he was still, you know, within, I think he was within a thousand yards of where he was the night before. And um, so we kind of come up with the game plan, you know, check the wind, check all our kind of approach. We had a really nice vantage to this basin. And um, it was pretty cool because if anybody listening has ever hunted Idaho or if you haven't, there there is no flat ground. So right. we had to lose about 600 feet of elevation, gain about another 800, mm-hmm. you know, and my son was 12 at the time and, he was a trooper and he was fine, but it was a little bit of a, you Mission. know, a hump to get over there. And uh, anyways, we get over there, um, get him spotted, relocate him. He was about 500 yards, so we ended up sneaking, getting a little closer. And we laid down at about 300 yards, laid prone. Ideal setup. He was just milling around. There was a couple of three points in there, and so get him all set up, and um, he ends up, you know. I'm coaching him and laying right next to him and said, you know, just relax, take your time. We got all the time in the world. It's, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. And as soon as I'd said, just relax and you can shoot whenever he shot. (laughs) (laughs) And and he ends up hitting him. He hit him in the, in the front shoulder and, um, you know, then they scatter. And, you know, I, I think I actually did write part of this story on, on which I'll share, share with you guys, but, you know, he just turned into, my son just kind of panicked and, you know, you, you get buck fever and all of a sudden you can't find, you can find every animal, you know, there was probably 10 or 12 deer in there. He's got every other one in the scope. He can't relocate mm-hmm. the wounded buck and he ends up kind of moving up out of the drainage. We could tell he was hurt, but he got out, you know, 500 yards where that's way beyond where we were comfortable shooting. So we end up scrambling, trying to get a little closer And anyways, that whole herd of deer moved into this big brush pile, the next basin. And there was, there was a dozen deer and we sat up and we're just going to sit and watch them. Well, 11 deer left. We, we saw them all come out. The, the, his buck was wounded, stayed in there. So my dad ended up circling this huge basin, which was probably a mile, mile and a half to kind of get the wind right, get the wind behind him to Mm -hmm. push his scent into this brush pile to try and flush him or we're sitting cross yeah. Canyon. And so at that whole time I got my son, I'm arranging kind of this whole hillside, giving him ideas, you know, this is two fifty, this is three twenty, this is, you know, just kind of giving him. And I said, you know, grandpa's going to move around, stay calm, but that buck's still in there. So my dad's in, ends up circling around the whole basin and that this little buck right here didn't bust till he was probably 10 feet from it. Oh man. And he wow. came sh- scrambling out of the brush and luckily we'd had about 45 minutes to really my son was pretty calm and he ended up coming out he shoots misses and he this time he didn't panic he just cycled another round stayed on him and the second shot I think it was about 300 yards just smoked him and went down so it was 
of you know i i've been fortunate to harvest quite a few animals and that was hands down the best feeling the best experience yeah. for myself and my dad times a million i mean it really? was it was just i would i would rather have him shoot a deer every year right than myself just i mean the emotion that he went through was you know cuz you don't know how you're going to react until you've taken an animal's life mm. you don't know what you're going to feel like and how right. you're going to act and it was it was just extremely memorable and luckily it was kind of early in the morning so you know we caped them out we boned them out we had plenty of time to enjoy it and then we split you know split them up between the three of us and packed them out out of the basin so yeah it's it's just a memory that you know you know for my first buck to his was just you know, it's just something that yeah. you'll you'll never get another first. Right. And, you know, you, you and your dad, his grandpa, sit back and go, wow, that was amazing. But your boy at the time is like, oh, this is cool. But he, he probably won't realize, like, how, how important and how awesome that experience was until he's your age. Or, like, older, you know, when he's able to, like, grasp it. I 100% agree. I mean, I'd, I'd, I even look look back even even a few years and he, I think he's starting and and really what I felt like it did to him was he felt like he belonged yeah. like he'd been around my buddies mm -hmm. and my family who hunts and that was his first experience to actually harvest an animal and I feel like yeah it was an accomplishment but I think it kind of validated like hey I'm one of you now like mm -hmm. I'm part of the club I've always wanted to be in this club yeah. and now you know that's kind of how I interpreted I his I would say that's probably uh, spot on. I think that goes with, obviously, your kid went through those emotions, but I think that goes for most. You know, like there's a lot of guys that locally struggle for years to fill tags. I mean, it's been years since I have. But, like, a lot of guys struggle, but when they finally get it done, like, I belong here. I am a hunter. Even though, like, you're putting in tons of time out there, you're hunting. You're a hunter. Like, you're doesn't matter like success doesn't necessarily matter but when they actually finally get it done it's like a huge relief after i belong here i am a hunter well and i think that's funny you bring that up because you know like i i think i said i've hunted here a long time i started hunting when i was 12 i didn't kill a deer till i was 19 mm -hmm. i hunted for seven years without harvesting an animal right i mean you know until you can drive you're you're obviously limited to when you know, right in this case your dad can take you or your uncle or whoever but you know i I hunted my butt off and I was with people who killed deer, but I just never saw, I mean, it took me a long time to, to get a deer, you know, here locally. Right. Well, and, it, and it speaks to the challenge of oh yeah, how difficult it is here. Yeah. It, it, but I could also, and I'd, I'd assume you would attest to this too, that yeah, it took you years to figure it out. But the second you went out of state for the first time, you were like in a gold mine. You're like, oh dude, we got this. Oh yeah, you know, you're, there's game right there. There's game, right, you know what I mean. And then it wasn't such a culture shock to you. You've hunted so long and so hard to yeah. try to fill a tag, and then you go out of state to a game rich environment, and it's. Oh, I think that definitely is a game changer when when you go out of state, and you know, at that point when I was, we could you couldn't hunt anywhere out of state till you're 14 at that time, but I had been going for years, and uh, the first time I was able to hunt in Colorado. You know, you, you drove to Colorado, you stopped at the state liquor store or the sporting goods store, you bought your tag, and you could hunt any open unit. And so what's crazy now is the unit that I grew up hunting is Unit 21, which 
now takes 19 to 20 points oh wow to hunt and that was you know a unit that you know my family had been hunting since the 70s right and you know they shot a lot of really nice bucks out of there but we never you know we didn't know and that kind of again ties back to what technology has done and just opened up the access and more information instead of having to get out and i mean you're still earning it but earn it with boot miles versus Mm -hmm. you know i can sit in my office and i can scout really well and never hike (laughs) a yard yeah so it it allows you to have an open perspective on like what you're actually getting yourself into at least an idea of what you're getting yourself into whereas prior to all this stuff and all the technology this was even before i was even hunting but could you imagine opening up a topo map going to a unit you'd never been to you don't even know what the terrain looks like outside of a topo map maybe someone had a picture of it or magazine but you know like you said idaho it's either up or down there's no flat you know for the most part correct and and prior to technology when you talk about boot miles earned that's why i i have such admiration for individuals that have been hunting for so long because not to say that we have it easy now but in retro like we have it easy in a sense yeah i mean one of these cabinets here i have blm maps of san diego county going back to probably 1990 we used to have to go to the you know the ranger station or go somewhere and you know, we'd lay out the BLM maps Mm -hmm. and that's how we decided let's go here and then let's just go hunt it and try and figure it out. Well, a lot of times that doesn't work, but sometimes it does. We're able to find a lot of good spots that way. But Mm -hmm. what do you, what would you rather have? Would you rather have all the information on X maps and then a spot that takes 18 years to hunt? Or would you rather have it to where you didn't have any of the technology and you had to put in the miles and the work and be, you know, and be around bigger animals that you can hunt every year, you know, like just in general, like when it comes down to technology, I mean, I would rather be in a time to where you just had to get in your pickup truck and go look, drive to Colorado and have the fun. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, I would rather have that and be able to hunt every year than, than being able to, to look at what's that go hunt, go hunt, get your odds and success rates. Yeah. And then all these people posting big big bucks in certain areas is just going to make the the tags harder to right. get you know right before it was all hearsay yeah of, yeah there of, was some areas in wyoming that we were hunting every other year that were really great and then i think eastman's put that unit as a blue chip or a up-and-coming unit and it went from a one-point draw to an eight-point draw within a matter matter of a couple of years so yeah, like two years. yeah so so to what you're saying i'm glad that i was brought up that way because i can read maps really well and i can understand how to find deer that way Mm -hmm. but now at the age i'm at i love that i can be at work and i can scout yeah (laughs) you you know i can i can take free time i can go after dinner here at home and if there's a unit i'm interested in i can google fly it i can on exit i can find drawing statistics i so i do enjoy both aspects but i'm glad that i came up the other way and kind of had it a little more difficult. I feel like it made you a better hunter. I, I think a hundred percent because there's, I feel like there's more failure because you're, you got to go earn it physically. You, mm-hmm. There's a lot of spots that, you know, I can look at on a map on, on a, you know, Google earth or whatever. And I could tell you there's probably going to be deer there. Right. But on a paper map, 
you can't see that so you got to get in there and look mm -hmm. for it so so that's that's kind of the biggest change i think which a new hunter today i, I think there's so many more advantages there's so much more resources you're not relying on, you know, calling your buddy and saying, hey, what did you see last week? Where did you, you know, mm -hmm. which is cool. But I think there's just so much, I think there's a lot more advantage to, if I was going to start hunting today, I feel like within five years, I would be where it took me 15 because of the information that you can gather from forums and maps and online. And, you know, people share a lot of stuff, which is silly to me, but I do read a, multiple forums because people are willing to say information, you know? Yeah. So information's good. What about all the experience now though? So all those units that you're used to hunting that now take eight or 10 points to go to, you can go to a, a one point unit and with your experience probably do a whole lot better than the average guy because of how you hunted before. I think so. I mean, I, I think with the amount of hunting that I've done and, you know, I'm the first guy, if my buddy draws a good tag or any tag, I'll go with him and, you know, learn a new area, you know, but yeah, I think from, from the experience and the amount of time I've spent, particularly chasing deer, I feel like I can, if, if a unit has deer in it, I feel like I can drive that unit in a couple of days and figure out like, Hey, here's where we need to be. Right. And you know, that, that does happen pretty often because I'm having to go to those units now. Yeah. You know, we're, we're having to go to new spots and figure out new areas to hunt right. and because it's all a point game, at least with the out of state. Yeah. And the in-state, it's the same thing. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's three spots looking at this wall where I've killed a lot of these deer and I never saw a person in it until about five years ago. Right. And that was kind of coinciding a lot with Onyx and go hunt and a lot of forums and a lot of stuff to where, I, I never, I'd never seen anybody. And then with all this new technology, which is a credit to new hunters, they're mm -hmm. willing to go further. You know, none of my deer by a road and people are willing to go further, which is great, but. Thanks, Cam Haynes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's been a bummer, at least for me personally, I've lost my three best spots right? and I didn't lose them. Other people have just found them. Right. Yeah. With paper maps though, you, you like you were talking about, you have to put in the time and go look at spots. And since Onyx has, have, has come out, I noticed just in the last few years, there's canyons I would go into and not see anyone. Last few seasons, and all of a sudden, there's a guy on every point. I don't even know. It's four or five miles right. to get to. How is that even possible? But hey, we never talked about caliber rifle that your son shot his deer with. Because he used the same one on his local buck that so, same year? So his local buck, he shot, he's got a Tika 3, 243. And then the one in Idaho, the story I told, I had him shoot my 270 just because it was about 300 yards and that 243 was not quite carrying the umph at that. But so I, and he had shot my 270 before, but. Which thumps a little bit harder than a 243. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, that one, the out-of-state buck was with my 270, and then the, the local D16 was with a 243. Oh, that was right. before San Diego had the copper, right? Have you found 2019? copper? 2019? No, that no, was a copper. he year. was using a copper. <laughs> How do you find that that shoots through the Tika? Because it took me a while to find copper that shot through any of my guns well. You know, it's funny. I don't remember exactly what round it is, but a good friend of mine is is a crazy reloader, but... I don't like depending on him to reload. So we, I bought, I think it's a Barnes, but we ended up just trying 
basically four different rounds and found one that shot really well. The it, TTSX? Yeah. Yeah, that stuff it's is awesome. It's a good one. The LRX is good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Barnes Copper is... is it's, it's, like, on point, man. It yeah. shot really well. It, a, a buddy of mine broke down a couple rounds, and they had great grain consistency. And, mm. you know, they they were, you know... It, it it wasn't the old Remington core lock to where one's a one thirty grain, the other one's a one ten, mm. then you got a one forty five, you know, so Yeah. But Super yeah, the, the the copper and 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 honestly we haven't killed very many deer with that copper, but it killed that one. <laughs> Did what where was yeah. the shot placement? Was it shoulder punch? Shoulder. Or? Yeah, because yeah, with the copper, that's what I noticed. If you don't shoulder punch them, they don't expand very well, and you'll just put a little pencil hole through them. Yeah. They don't bleed very much. I don't know, man. I I, I shot a, a Utah deer, and he was quartering to me pretty hard. And uh, I shot him a little high in the shoulder, like right behind the the scapula. Thing went out and just blew out his nutsack. Like, blew, like and when I opened him up, he was just liquefied. I'm talking like, about, like, and, yeah, lung shot, though, like, Matt's didn't even expand. It literally was a pencil hole, and that deer ran like 150 yards as fast as it could before it tipped yeah. over. I Yeah, it's weird. I don't know, man. Yeah, a lot of guys swear by copper. Well, like, people are like, hammer bullets. Nope, that's all I'm shooting. Hammers. Yeah, but with copper, I would I would shoulder punch to get the oh, best I, I, out of I the bullet. I would agree, but I'm just, I'm just saying there's some dudes that are like, I'll, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, the, the shot's a shot, and <laughs> copper's going to work. Like, there's yeah. just, you know... Yeah, and I, and I will say, you know, the the round that I have hunted with the most is a burger VLD, mm-hmm. and it it kind of grenades, so you're going to ruin some meat, but, I mean, it just has stoned everything yeah. I've shot with <laughs> it. Just dumps them, huh? I mean, just dead. Yeah. I, but, you know, we were kind of talking, I think it was off air that we were talking about it, and, you know, a lot of guys are caliber specific and this caliber is better than that. And that one's better than this. And, you know, it's like, it's all opinion, you know, ultimately, like I said, you know, the reality is if you shoot something at 300 yards, do you really think it cares? No, there's no way. You know what I mean? Like obviously you want it to expand and you want it to do as much internal damage as possible to get that animal down as soon as possible. But, you know. Yeah. I'm more know. of a, I've always shot lighter rounds um, I'm a Creedmoor guy, dude. Like, I love a Creedmoor. Yeah, that, I, and, I mean, I I killed an elk this year with a 129 grain bullet at 425 yards. Didn't move a foot. I was in Idaho, and I <laughs> I watched an elk drop in his tracks at 776 of the Creedmoor. Yeah, and I mean, dude. I'm not a long range guy. I mean, I I do practice. I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself extremely proficient right. beyond four or five hundred yards, but. I mean, I've I got a buddy who's very proficient that way, and I've seen him knock down a lot of animals at a at a long range. Long range, man. And some guys are super proficient. Like, there's a lot of times every so I don't go to the range that often. Leading up to season, I do. I'll probably go leading up to season. I'll probably go like four times in like July, a couple times in August, and then sometimes in separate. You know, I just kind of ramp it up going in. Right? Right. But every time I go, the same dudes are there. And they're just hammering the 800-yarder at Paula. You know what I mean? And it's like, if you practice that much, like I shoot my bow, who's to say they're not skilled enough? There's a lot of, there's a huge debate in long range. Like, oh, is it ethical or is it not? Well, some people say 60-yard bow shot's not ethical. But I, I, I don't. That's a 600-yard rifle shot. Anything past 20 yards, every 10 yards, to me, is a 100-yard increment on a rifle. 
Yeah, and I feel like, you know, it's it's up to each hunter, you know, whether yeah. you're new or experienced, you know, you know where your limits are or you should know where you yeah. can, you know, be fair to that animal and take an ethical shot. And maybe you're a 600-yard guy or maybe yeah. you're a 250-yard guy. I don't think it makes a difference, but, you know, I, I don't care about guys who can kill a, a deer at 1,000 yards. That's great. That's not what I'm going to do. Right. But that doesn't mean that. I think that you're less of a hunter. I just grew up differently and right. was taught differently to get as close as possible with every shot. Right. You know, I, I could almost guarantee you that if you're not a long range hunter and you like ethically don't like it, there, there's probably not ever going to come a time in your hunting career where you're ever going to be able to be like right next to the dude lining up at a thousand yards, but dude, don't take that shot. Like, I don't think you should take that shot. Like you're gonna sit back in your glass and watch that round go downrange. Well, and, and it's and, gonna happen. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> you know you're gonna watch it go down. You're not gonna like, you right? Know? And and up until really, I'd say four years ago, I was I I hunted with my grandfather's twenty five out six. It was bought in a pawn shop in the sixties. Had a three by nine scope on it, but there was an issue uh, an issue in Idaho where if I did have the capability to shoot six hundred five six hundred yards, I could have taken a really really big mule deer and so that was when i was like well i'm i'm gonna go get a rifle that has that capability whether i'm gonna use it or not i don't know but but i have gotten and i'm not gonna say i've gotten into it i've researched enough to understand how to dial and and be accurate but it did change my mind in that where you know there's certain instances and maybe not so much in San Diego, but maybe where you're not getting across this canyon and you're not the closest you are going to get is a cross canyon long range shot. And so that kind of pushed me to get a rifle that has those capabilities and Mm -hmm. start practicing. But I still don't take those shots, even though I practice because I really try and get as close as I can. Right. Listen, I didn't take a 200 yard shot this year because it was, it was the angle. It's all, specific in in that time you know like it was probably a 60 degree downward angle and i was on a rock and it was just at right under 200 and i didn't pull the trigger and it was all specifically because i was like ah, i'm not too com- like confident in that shot now if i was on a bench rest or laying down and it was across the canyon and it maybe even uphill i don't know 200 yards man you're pulling the trigger i'm just saying like it the shot wasn't right there were some bushes in the way you know what I mean? Like, it just wasn't a right shot, but I, I, I don't judge people on the yardage they shoot. I just don't. Right, and I think that's awesome that you didn't take that shot because you weren't comfortable. Because yeah. there's, a, you know, when you're when you're around a lot of other hunters and you get to watch, not necessarily people you're with, but if you're in an area and you, you, you can watch other people hunt and you see what they're doing, I wish more people would have that responsibility that you did than I'm not capable, I'm not real comfortable, but I'm still going to, send five down range just mm-hmm. because maybe I'll get lucky. Right. No, I hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. It, it's just, you know, the whole long range debate is you can go on and on about it. Doesn't yeah. Matter, you know, without a doubt, dude, uh, in regards to the, the draw systems in these out of States, like in these other States, mm-hmm. Idaho specifically, what's your thoughts on it? <laughs> <laughs> Think it needs to be changed or what? Like, you know, you hunt Idaho quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, I do, you know, Idaho has been kind of my, my backup plan because you could always just buy an over-the-counter tag there. So if I didn't draw another state, 
I knew I always had that. Well, last year, yeah, last year they went, you know, obviously we're December 1st, they go on sale and you got to go get in line. This year, December 1st, I think I got on at 9.15 and I was number 14,000. Hey. Timmy, you were number seventeen thousand eight hundred and fifty-six. And then Ryan, you were on it like <laughs> yeah. I think they suggested that you go on thirty minutes before the actual time, which I think was ten p.m. there or ten a.m. their time. I got on forty-five minutes ahead of that time, and I was still seven thousand. And it puts you it puts you in a queue, in a right? queue. Yeah. But then like, when it draws your number, it's a random number that you get kicked, so it really doesn't matter. And then they put you in a lobby. Right after, and after you have thirty you minutes number. to complete your purchase, otherwise it kicks you back into the waiting. But I didn't have a plan B, so I saw my tag go, or the place that I wanted to hunt. I saw it just go, and I'm like, oh, I'm out. I'm not going to just pick some random. Oh, so hold on. I, I've never done it, so that's why I'm asking. Okay. You you get on, you log on, you wait for the time period, then it kicks you a number randomly, and that's your spot in line, right? <laughs> and then it throws you in a queue, and then you have 30 minutes per hunter. So once they, once they let you in to pick your tags, you have 30 minutes to complete your transaction, otherwise it kicks you back out. If there's 17,000 people in front of you, it doesn't go one at a time, does it? Uh, no, there, there's going to be multiple people online at a time, and I don't know if that's 500 or five. Yeah. But, but like, say, whatever unit, whether it's elk or deer, that, Brian, you were trying to, to get in on. Ryan, sorry. Oh, sorry. Brian, we have a Brian. Brian. We do have a Brian. Yeah. Brian, Brian's, Brian's not here. Brian, Brian's doing a septic tank. Somewhere. Okay, right sorry now. about that. <laughs> Don't worry okay. about it. Because no I think I talked to Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you talked to Brian. Maybe. So, so, anyways, um, whatever unit you're putting in for, while you're in that queue, it's it's showing you in real time. Unit one sold out. Yep. Unit twenty seven sold out. Unit whatever. Oh, okay. So if you're wanting to hunt unit twenty seven and you see it sell out, well then you're like, I'm out. Exactly. I, that's where I wanted to go. I'm out. So. Oh, okay. So you just hope that your place in line, whatever you're trying to get is still available. Right. And, and, and three years ago I could, I would drive to Idaho, go to Cabela's buy my tag. Once I got there, dude, I've hunted Idaho twice. And every time I bought it at the liquor store, yep. At, like next to the unit that we hunted, I, I had no idea that over the counter was a drop until a couple of years ago. I mean, it's been a handful of years since I've been there, but... but So let's say, being from California, though, you wanted to go to certain units because you've been there before and you like them. Let's say, let's say you didn't have a plan B and you just picked a unit. Being a hunter from California, if you get out there and get on a high mountain in glass, does it really matter? I mean, are you going to find deer in pretty much any unit you go to? Could you make it a fun adventure and possibly be successful just by kind of throwing a dart and picking one? I think you definitely could in Idaho, um, specifically in, in Idaho, it's a heavy migration unit hunt. So there are a ton of units that are really good early season that are terrible late season because those animals are migrating hundreds of miles from 12,000 feet down to 3,500. So the unit you pick could be a dart thrown and it could be outstanding if the weather's hot. But if it's freezing, you might not see an animal. Right. So, so the the kind of to answer your question, yeah, you could have a great adventure, and I think you could probably turn up something. But my experience with almost all the out of state units, it's very specific. I like to pick units with 
varying elevation mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, if you're going in blind, you know, whether you want to start high or low, whatever you want to do, if you're in a, a big unit, which all of them are, you can find the deer somewhere if yeah. you have enough time. I mean, if, if you've got three days, that's going to be a tough challenge. Tough. If you've got seven or ten, I feel like you could go into any unit and really pick it apart and figure out where they're at and probably do pretty well, but you got to have... Like time. I said, seven to ten days if you're just showing up blind. And, yeah. and really, those first two or three days, you're, locating. you're just driving around and getting familiar and trying to, you know, really look out your truck window. Is there tracks here? Is there right. sign or, you know, and, and that's why I like hunting units with a lot of. The elevation. The game. elevation yeah. from, you know, whatever, from the valley floor all the way up to the peak. Because if there is animals in there. And you have enough time, you can figure you out where them. they're staged at, where they're hanging out. I, I generally will, when I go to a unit that I haven't been to, and since I didn't grow up hunting, the majority of the time I'm going to these units blind, right? I always go into it relying on my skills that I've learned and, and hard earned, right, here public land, SoCal. And then not <laughs> only that, I always go in, I always go in looking for success, but I, I, I'll, like you always want to have success. Like you always want to find deer and kill deer or elk or whatever you're after. But you got to look at it as more than that. You got to look at it as this is an experience that it's going to either in these seven days. Cause a lot of guys don't get 10 days off a year. You right. know, I mean, if they go out of state, they get like one shot every three years. And it's like, you go and you look at it. And if you've, you're in deer, try to kill one if you can't maybe you don't go back there maybe you do go back there if you had a good a good uh what were you saying earlier adventure yeah you know what i mean like it, you got to look at hunting as more than just killing otherwise you're just gonna be miserable dude like you're not gonna like it i 100 percent agree and i think if you're a new hunter or you haven't had success yet you're so focused on i really want to harvest an animal mm-hmm. that you're you're not enjoying the drive there you're not enjoying whatever funny thing happens with your group of buddies or, you know, the, you get your truck stuck or you're too focused on, I got to harvest something to where, you know, I think the older that I've gotten and the more opportunities I've had to be in the field that I enjoy just being out there as much as anything anymore. Right. You know, I'm not, and I think it's honestly made me a better hunter not going there. So I got to shoot this kind of buck or I've got to do this. Where I just go now, and I just I just hope I have a good time. Mm-hmm. Everybody's safe, you know. We have no major issues, and undoubtedly that seems to create better opportunities because you're not putting that pressure on yourself. Right. And a guy that's a new guy, like you said, who, gosh, I've only I'm only going to be able to go this one time for six days every three years. You're going to build that up mm-hmm. so oh, you're yeah. going to put so much pressure on yourself. That you're not going to, you know, what do they say, see the forest through the trees. You're just yeah. going to be so laser focused Dude, on you're like killing something. you're like 16-year-old prom night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Laser focused. Yeah. You know, and that, you're absolutely right. That is the truth. And, and then you're, you're not enjoying it. You know, right. I went to, uh, this year I went to a desert unit with my rifle in Arizona. And I fell into that, oh, I want to fill this tag so bad that it took me, it, it didn't take me a long time to like sit back and realize it and be like, dude, just enjoy this. But it took me a day, a solid day, to figure it out and be like, man, this is, the desert is badass. I like the desert. It is, it's awesome. There's a ton of wildlife out there. You know, granted, we didn't see much, 
but everything else, you know, found like wild donkeys, dude, you know, and, and I mean, we were northern, but in any case, it, you have to, without a doubt, be able to sit back regardless if you're finding game or not and enjoy the process. Sitting behind your glass, I enjoy glassing. All of my friends enjoy glass. No, that's fine, man. We, we used to open up episodes cracking beers. This <laughs> but, adds to it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's good. Uh, we enjoy glassing. That, that's like summer scouting is, part, is almost my favorite part of hunting. The aspect of sitting behind your glass. That's when you have zero pressure. You have no pressure. You're just <laughs> looking for deer. And right. if you were to find it, you can't do nothing anyway. So it's like, like Timmy said, it's zero pressure. You're able to like sit back and, and, and see the forest as the forest. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's important for, I mean, really any hunter, any hunter, but especially somebody just breaking in or maybe hasn't had a ton of experience yet is just get out and just go sit somewhere and just, you know, just start understanding what's happening out there yeah. on a, on a daily basis. And, and that's something that, you know, I think a lot of people are willing to do, but some people aren't to where they're, I mean, I don't think there's any secret to killing deer. It's experience and it's time mm-hmm. and it's how hard do you, or, you know, how much effort do you want to put into it? It's time and pressure. Yeah. It's time that you put in and the amount of pressure you put on it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, to me, I go, I don't want to put pressure on myself to the point where, like, I'm not enjoying this, which then kicks me out of the field. I'm not able to put the time in. You know what I mean? Like, I hunted one of the hardest units outside of D16 this year for the first time, and I was I was concerned about finding, finding game and burning a tag and, like, because, you know, we get two, and you want to always find success. That was the funnest hunt I've been on ever in San Diego. Or uh, hold on, Southern California. I hunted D15. And it was like the best hunt. And I hunted it a lot, put a lot of time in. There were days I wouldn't see deer. But it was just my kind of hunting. And I found a unit that I fell in love with. Like there's guys that love D16 for what it is. It's hard. It's tough. You always have a place you can hunt, right? It's a long, you have long seasons here. But up there... It, it's a three-week season or whatever. It's rugged country, which I love. I love, you got to be behind the glass. There's a lot of country. And it just, like, I was able to put the time in because I enjoyed it. The pressure wasn't on me because I was having such a good time. And I was enjoying the hunt. And I was, I listen, if I had to pull the trigger, you never know. I may have gut shot that thing. may have dropped it in his tracks. You know, I had a couple opportunities. Chose not to take them because they weren't right. You know, a solo one time. You know, it, it, anyways, it was still a successful hunt in my book, but it all boiled down to time and pressure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, Timmy, you found success this year. I mean, you put a lot of time in on your tag too. I don't know if I, I found it. I more made made it happen. Made it, yeah. Finding finding success is a, a weird way to put it. However, you want to put it. Yeah. No. Do yeah. you do you archery hunt as well? I I did for a while. I I still have a bow, but I don't shoot it enough to feel comfortable taking it out. So right. no, I I mean I did archery hunt for years. I never harvested. I I only archery hunted D sixteen. Mm-hmm. I never even let an arrow go. But I was practicing enough to where I felt confident. If an opportunity came up, you know I could be successful. But now with the time that you need to put into that, I'm not doing that, so I'm not going to go do that. Yeah, that's the the cool thing about my work. I have an archery range upstairs, 
on the second story. So I shoot quite often. And I just, I like it. I fell in love with archery, but I like it because you have so many opportunities in other states to, to get over-the-counter tags, which, like you said, you can't do that with rifle tags anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're not playing the point game and you haven't been doing that, archery is hands down the most opportunity. You can get way more time in the field. Yeah. You have, And you have opportunity to get really good tags because it's so hard to kill an elk, a deer, an antelope, whatever you're hunting with a bow. It's such a challenge that you can definitely draw those tags or go get and, and, and hunt more. I just, for me, I, I know how much time it takes to become proficient and, and really good. And I know that I'm not going, I'm not going to go hunt having not put in the time that needs to be put in. Yeah. Yeah. And then circle back to that. I didn't mean to sound like an asshole, but like I, I glassed for three months before I ended up shooting that deer. So like the whole fight, like finding success thing, found success. It's just, it's weird. However you put it, doesn't matter. Like you, (laughs) you, you put the time in. There was months of glassing yeah. before season even started. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you've been hunting D sixteen for a long time. Correct. Have you seen like what's the deer herd like now compared to what it was? I mean, that's just that's layman's way of putting it. Well, I, I, I guess <clears throat> that that's an interesting question because to me, the the quality of the deer hunt is really dependent on weather, whether we've had, and when I say quality, I mean more mature animals, bigger antlers. Mm-hmm. Um, has there been a fire in the last mm-hmm. couple of years? Has it been, did you get a really good wet spring? Um, it's amazing in San Diego, you kind of, you know, all you guys have been out there. There's a lot of water out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I used to think, well, you've got to find a water source because they're going to be by the water. Once you get out in, in the hills here, there's a lot of friggin' water. So water not being a key, I mean, the herd, I can't speak to necessarily the, the overall numbers. I just know the number of people I see in the field has increased tenfold in the last 15 years. Yeah. So I, the, the, pressure, the pressure is definitely there. I mean, there are still, obviously... I'm sure there's a ton of people listening to this, and you guys, everybody's probably got a few spots where you can kind of get away, but mm-hmm. those spots are going They're going by the wayside. Yeah. You know, Timmy, you mentioned earlier, I'm going four or five miles, you know, which is what I felt like I was always doing. Well, now you're just one of 10 other guys who's that also willing it. to go that right. far. When I was having a lot of success here, I was never seeing another person. I I was backpacking and sleeping on the ground. And oh, that sounds familiar. Dude, we all do it. <laughs> right. That's the, that's the ticket. But 15, 20 years ago, when I started doing that, nobody was doing that. Was it because people could find success closer to the roads because there was less hunters, maybe? I think that's, that's partially it. And, and partially, I think it's more the narrative that you have to go further and farther, which is true in a lot of cases, but... I think somebody, if you're going to start doing research right now, everybody's going to tell you, you got to get out at 2 a.m. and hike eight miles, which I will do. I have done. You know, a lot of people do that. And I think that's driving people to just, they're just more motivated to, mm-hmm. to go further. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like there's some like real validity in that whole social media thing. Oh, it yeah. looks cool when, someone, when your buddy snaps a picture of you on top of a mountain, deep as shit. With like cool ass Kuyu gear on, 
Like yeah. Get all stoic uh, up on yeah. the back. <laughs> and, and you know what even looks cooler than that? When you're fucking four miles out and you're on top of a mountain and you got a buck on your back. That's cooler than sitting there with nothing. Like, I, it's all we see. Like, I don't, I don't do the social media game. These guys do it for the podcast. And outside of the podcast, this is, like, the only thing that actually gets out to people out other than, like, SCH. But I've been a part of that forever. Um, the Like, Epic Outdoors, the magazine I get. Dude, like I said earlier, that shit is cool to me. Like, I look at it. It's what I'm into. And it, all it does is it, is it, it inspires individuals to do what you're doing. And what are you doing? You're getting out there. You're not hunting off a road. Like, we joke about it. Like, I think Timmy posted some pictures of me and him. Like I, right off the road. Right off the road. Like, we scribble, like you scribble. You know what I mean? Like, you can't see anything. But, I mean, sometimes you can get away with glassing off the road. But, you know, we, were, we also weren't chasing some San Diego trophy. But you know? Think <laughs> like, about it. Like, we always talk about the pussification of America yeah. and the men in America. Well, yeah. it's actually kind of good to see these men pushing themselves and getting yeah. out there. I, I don't mind it at all. It just means I have to push harder. No, no, I get it. I, I, I get it. I'm just, you know, when we wonder why there's so many people deep, like I got a spot that for three years, dude, we didn't see anyone in there. And then one year I almost got shot. I was right behind the deer. He shot with a rifle. I didn't hear this story. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you off air, but I mean, dude, like (laughs) we'd never seen anyone in there. It's a mission to get in there. You got to sleep on the mountain to get in there. Yeah. Like it's a shit show to get in. And, uh, long story short, like there's, I don't go anywhere anymore that I don't see people. I mean, I don't know. I don't have private land. Right. You know, I, I just don't. And so, like, I'm generally seeing people every time I'm out. So this, this might be slightly stupid to even say on the podcast, but, like, what I've learned with archery season is all those all those deer that you find when you're, when you're hunting rifle season after everyone pushes them in, they're not always that far in. You know, it's, it's once everyone goes in. So the archery season, early archery is, is one of my favorites because – you can find really good deer and lots of deer in places that are fairly close to roadways or trailheads. As soon as rifle hunters go in, you got 3000 guys stomping through the woods. It it pushes them in deeper. I'm I don't even think to be honest with you, I don't even think it's the rifle hunters. I think it's the freaking quail hunters. Oh, it might be. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) they did a number this year. Yeah. These, these these quail hunters, they're, they're no chumps, man. They're dogs. They got these GSPs all wired on crystal. They're Uh, running around on crack, you know, like they're out running their dogs, dude. Yeah. Brian and I were out and we were sitting there just glassing and we were three and a half miles in three miles in. And all of a sudden we hear a couple shots and we look over and this guy is at a dead run. Mm Mm-hmm grabbing birds that he had already shot that are still trying to get away and then boom run again dude. i couldn't believe it he literally sprinted around for yeah. two hours shooting birds yeah. sprinting and you know what dude those quail hunters upland game hunters more they're badasses they I are mean, bad hey, it is what it is they're put you know we could all look on it however we want you know pushing deer around whatever whatever it is what it is but there's just a lot of a lot of people that are are uh getting out there now and and you know the biologist ultimately you know, have the numbers, the real numbers of deer, however they calculate it and whatnot. But, you know, maybe the deer herd is just fine. But I know that I still to this day have a hard time finding deer. But I think what that's done, at least for me, is is, is you change tactics, right? Mm-hmm. You, you you adapt to, and that's whatever state you're hunting, but D16, I think specifically because I know this unit so well mm-hmm. that, I, you know, if I'm in a certain spot and there's a lot of pressure over here, I have an idea where those deer are going to go when they are pressured. So I do way less walking 
way less walking than I ever did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, the best thing that I've learned is to slow down. And there are guys who do really well hiking 17 miles a day and they'll jump one up and shoot it. But, and I've done that and that's how I grew up kind of hunting, but I've kind of adapted my style to really being patient mm-hmm. and understanding your area if you hunt an area long enough and it does get pressured and there are deer there, they're not going to go 10 miles. They're going to go to a little pocket or they're going to go to a little hidden knife ridge to where they're out of the wind and they're, you know, they're kind of secluded. So, I mean, for people listening, like if you have a good spot that has had deer, there will be deer there again. You get to a good vantage point, get on your glass and sit for hours and hours and hours. And it's very difficult to do. But it's been very successful for me. That That's the common theme with the dudes that we get on this podcast is that they all slow down. They hunt slow and they glass. They just glass. And, and understanding the animals you're hunting and, and what they're going to do. Well, know? yeah, I mean, that, that goes without saying. I yeah, mean, he's the got more, the time in for yeah, sure. The more, the more you're out in the field, you spend a lot of time in the field, you have a good idea of what deer are going to do in any situation. For sure. You know, you know where shot, they go. If you miss a shot... You know, you kind of have a really good idea of, of, of how to find them again. But I think, yeah, that, that would be, honestly, my main tip to anybody listening to this, and it's relative to wherever you're at for the most part. Maybe there's a migration hunt or something to where animals are constantly moving. But if you're hunting a zone that you're really trying to figure out, slow down. Like, yeah. get the best quality glass you can afford. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be $5,000 glass. It doesn't. By no means, but right. sit down, and I mean, I'll sit for, I'll sit for six hours. Dude, story of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. Right. <laughs> that, I mean, and that's that. When somebody asks me, like, how are you finding deer? It's like, legitimately, I'm sitting there all day long. Every glassing. successful guy that we've, yeah, that we bring on. Yeah. That's that's what they say. Sit up on a high vantage point glass. and glass. You have to glass because you'll look at the same bush three times. The sun will hit it differently for three fucking seconds and you're like there's a deer yep right there there's a deer you know and, that, and that's that is true and and not everybody can afford like top-notch class like you said dude uh you know i'd run diamondbacks if i could i you did know? for six years yeah then. yeah i mean if that's great. all i had i'd run them i ran vipers for years and you know what dude it was the craziest thing cabela's just had 10 by 40 vipers for like 300 dollars. yeah i still that's what i hunt with Dude, vipers are great. I I haven't had an issue, you no, know. They're good, but but to go back to that, it's hard to sit. Yes, it's it's very difficult mm-hmm. because you know I think most hunters are like I want to see what's over the next ridge and the next ridge, which you know there's a time and a place for that. But I feel like if you want to be successful and you've put in the time to know there's deer in this area, just get a great vantage point. Mm-hmm. Put something underneath your butt and sit there, dude. I hunted glassing pad, dude. That's well, no, I you know the tripod chair that I got. I got I use a tripod chair. I pack it around. It, it weighs. I mean, it's weight, but I don't care. It's worth it for me to stay comfortable. I glassed. I hunted the same canyon in rifle season in D fifteen, the entirety of the season. Like I did not leave that canyon, and I had two opportunities out of it. And I was seeing does, like on a regular basis. Like I, I knew the deer were there. And I just, it would be hot. I'd just sit on my glass. It'd be cold. I'd sit on my glass. Like, dude, I just stayed persistent in it. And shit you not, man, I had the opportunities there. And, and it, it plays a lot into what you're saying. Like, 
don't move. Like if you know deer are there, don't move. And and just I mean, just be persistent. You know, I mean, you're gonna move. I shouldn't say don't move. You're gonna move, Absolutely. but just know that deer are still there, and just keep coming back to that area. And that's and I, dude, like I felt like I got so close, but I don't regret it. You know, like it was it was a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess around again this this coming season there. What are you pointing at, Timmy? Local buck number or local buck number one after the the story of that one. Uh, the story of your boy's buck? Yeah, so how long? Oh, his first local buck? Yeah, how far apart were those? Maybe two weeks. Oh, dude. That's how'd he, awesome. How do you yeah. handle it? He's hooked. <laughs> yeah, he, he, that honestly, that's, that's a deer in particular that was kind of a byproduct of, we put very little scouting time in, but I have one spot that I go to like every two years, and t- usually there's a buck in there, and there was like no bitching story. Like we just got up to our vantage point and that buck stood up and fed right towards us 200 yards and he hammered it. Like there was no, we just got up there in the dark, waited for it to get light. And that little forky was in there and literally fed underneath of us at 200 yards and stomped him. That was it. Like it, you know, like I said, I hunted for seven years and never even had an opportunity to where, you know, he was fortunate because he's using my knowledge of mm-hmm. where to go. But that we went out one time. We went out one day and killed that buck. That right. is awesome. It's like right time, right place. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's a spot that, you know, it's not a big spot. Right. And it's a spot that I only I will only hunt it one or two times a year, and I'll only do that every other year because it's mm-hmm. it's just a – you know, I've learned that spot. It's You can't go in there – like you're saying, you're D15 and yeah. just hammer, 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 right. be present where that particular spot, I just was like, felt like it's time to go in there. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was a good opportunity, but it, it really, there was no special, you know, nothing. It just worked out yeah. exactly how you would you hope it does it where yeah. it, it typically never does that. Mm-hmm. So it just ended up being kind of a, a perfect scenario. Do you, you know, your boys knew at hunting, mm-hmm. do you, I mean, he has experience, but it's his First couple of years behind the gun. Correct. Do you wish it would be hard on him? Yeah. I mean, you know, my friends have joked with him and, you know, my dad, like, this is not deer hunting. Like, you going to Idaho and killing a buck and then coming home mm-hmm. for a week and then shooting another one, that's not typical. Right. You know, he's, I think, fortunate in the regard that he's he's getting taken by people who – know where to go and what to do. Um, but, but he hasn't shot a deer since he didn't shoot one last year. And this year he didn't have the opportunity with high school sports and football and stuff, but, but yeah, making it a, making it a challenge. I was glad we didn't find his first buck for five days because we had to grind and I was kind of freaking out that I couldn't find a fork and horn. Like, how can I not find him in Idaho? How can I not find a nice first buck? So he did have to go through a little bit of a on that, but you know it wasn't years. Was he? Uh, could you see it in him? Like uh, this is wearing on him. Did you see it? No, he he was good about it for sure. He was, but I mean, I've been taking him. He's been in the field with me since he was yeah three yeah four. So he knew what he's doing. He knew. So what I mean, he he understood yeah. that it, there's no guarantees, and mm-hmm. you know he's been with me countless times where we weren't successful. You know, air yeah. quotes and killing something, but. You know, he's, he's, he understands that, 
you have to put in the time. And, you, you know, another thing, another tip is be out all day. Like I, yeah. I, I listen to people talk that, you know, we're going to go hunt from 6 a.m. to 11 and then we're going to go back for lunch and then we're going to like, I don't even understand that because out of, I don't know how many 40, 50 deer I've killed, maybe one at first light. Right. And I think it was his first buck. Oh, really? That he shot. I mean, every deer midday is midday, and that's by sitting in glass, mm-hmm. finding embedded. Most of these, all these, almost all these deer have been killed spot and stock. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think it's been all midday for the most part for me too. Midday, when everyone leaves, they get comfortable. They stand up. There's no outside noise pollution. They stand up. They move their beds. Midday's good. Not to um, say that I haven't shot at deer at first light. I'm just saying, like, I've <laughs> I killed them all at midday. <laughs> what about meat processing? Do you do you take it in and get stuff made out of it? Do you just cut steaks and grind? What? So, um, I mean, for years growing up, we drug deer. You know, my dad and my grandpa, that's just what they did. We, we'd drag deer for miles. You know, we'd right. get them back to the truck or whatever with no hide left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the guys that we hunt with a lot, his dad was a butcher, and he, I was just really, it just never made sense to me. Like, we're dragging this 200 or here, maybe 100, 100, whatever it is, freaking heavy. You know, why aren't we, mm-hmm. so I, I was taught how to process game, so we do, we do everything. And, and there's really, I can't think of the last deer that we brought out whole. Like, right. I bone out everything. I don't care if I'm walking a mile or five miles. It's just easier. It t- yeah. it doesn't take me very long anymore. And Keep you have efficient. to do it no matter what. You're going to have to do it sometimes. So you bone it in the field. You actually mm-hmm. bone it out in the field. See, I've never boned anything. I've quartered. That's all I do is quarter stuff out and bring it in. Matter of fact. Getting when, rid of the bone is huge. Dude, m- matter of fact, the only deer I've ever brought out whole was that Michigan deer I shot this year. And it was because we were able to just like roll up on a side-by-side and give it the old hee-ho in the back of it, you know? But other than that, like everything is coming out in quarters. But I've never boned anything out in the field. Yeah, we t- we break down, I mean, 100% deboned, whether you cape it or not, you know, for a mount or whatever you're doing, but you're you're eliminating 40% of the weight, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of these areas, whether that's local or out of state, we're, we're back there far enough to where I don't want to carry an extra 30 pounds or 40 or 50 right. or, or whatever. Or make two trips. Or make two trips, absolutely. De- so Deboning is key. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and that's some, like something if you're listening and you don't know how to do that, it might seem a little intimidating. But with technology and YouTube, there are great videos oh, yeah. to watch. And really, you you only need to see somebody do it one time or do it yourself one time. And you're going to be like, why did I not do this right. with what, every animal? What about meat consumption? That's what I actually meant, but I, I like where that went, actually. Um, meat consumption, like... How do you how do you do stuff with with the deer meat that you actually eat? Do you mostly do steaks? Do you grind everything? Do you? I found a place, uh, Ranch Smokehouse, and mm-hmm. they made summer sausage, salami, meat sticks, like all kinds of amazing specialty meats. But the problem is the deer and the elk are going way too fast now. Right. Bratwurst, you know. Yeah. Well, you make every, it. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. make it so it's like it's too delicious. And it's, you know too, I mean? it's too easy to eat. You pop out a pack of bratwurst, or you take two packs and you go camping or fishing, like. It, it just goes fast that way. <laughs> you, you do a lot of grind? I, I, do, I do a little bit of grind. I don't do a ton of grind. Um, we, we do all our own processing, you know, either in the garage or trailer. A buddy of mine does some really good grind, but 
Mostly I do steaks and roasts. Really? I, mean, I, I like I like the roasts on a Traeger or any kind of smoker. Yeah. Um, you know, a D16 deer, you're not getting a ton of meat out of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you go get sausage made or you go get brats made, you kind of have to commit to that route of, I'm going to grind a ton of this deer. Right. But at least myself and my family, you know, we'll eat two deer a year plus half an elk. You know, like we eat a lot of steaks and roasts. Yeah. So... So I cut it up and it's, you know, it's however you want. And that's what I like about processing it yourself is, you know, for one, you're, you know, you're getting your meat. There's way too many instances where, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in meat care in the field. I think that's huge on mm-hmm. how you handle the meat, how you go that whole process. Well, I don't want my meat with a guy who shot his buck drug it in the truck, left it in 75, 80 degree weather yeah, for all two day. hours. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh, makes so sense. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So by doing it, you know, by doing it yourself, one, I think it's a great skill to learn. And two, I think you, I think you even get a little bit more fulfillment out of it when you're eating it. Like, Hey, I took this animal all the way through the process. And I think it's, I, I, I think that's kind of a, cool way to do it it's cool and you can look back on it you know that's that's all i've ever done is process like my wife and i will will cut the steaks roast grind our own meat but with everything that's been going on with work being busy the -hmm. ridge to ridge stuff and and actually hunting getting out um i ended up bringing that elk to that ranch smokehouse place i just mentioned he did you well yeah and basically so i called him and it's they kind of only do stuff for the locals around here word of mouth small mom and pop shop and when I got there, she basically said, she's like, I need to inspect your meat. So I popped open the cooler, but like before I even brought it down, when I, when I quarter everything, I pull out a seven by seven tarp and I lay everything on a tarp, keep it super clean. I take pride in, in clean meat. I want to eat clean meat. And uh, she popped my cooler open. She's like, oh, it's absolutely perfect. I was like, yeah, I spent an hour just cleaning it before I brought it here. And she said, um, we don't like to contaminate other people's meat. So if the cooler check doesn't check out, then we send you on your way. So I know that for a fact, I'm getting my meat. They're taking if if they're taking that kind of precaution and checking meat before it even gets checked in. That's the you people felt, I you felt good. About I it. felt good about. That's who right. I oh, want to yeah. use. Oh, absolutely. That that kind of smaller shop, you're going to get that service. But if you're going to a bigger, and and I'm not saying they do that. I yeah. just I just feel like if I'm going to put in the effort to to take as great of care as right. I can with it, I want it to just be mine. And yeah. you know, yeah. I don't want it mixed mixed in with others. But that's another part of hunting is okay now i killed that animal mm-hmm. what are you going to do now right. you know you got to have a plan also there and and that's a huge that was a huge learning curve for me and i was around a ton of dead animals and it took me a long time to really figure out how to properly and of course this was before youtube and all that and yeah. probably social media preaching it but it took a long time to for me to appreciate the more effort i put into field care the more quality, you know, I, so when, you know, my kids are eighth grade and ninth grade and they have friends over all the time and I always will try and cook some kind of deer or elk or fish or something because a lot of kids aren't experienced to that. And a lot of kids, oh, I had deer once. It was terrible. I'm like, well, just, just wait, let, let's just try it. And they, you know, undoubtedly love it because right. that's the difference. Mm-hmm. If, if you've had shitty deer because it was more than likely she you know wasn't cared for properly right so you know i i always laugh when people say this animal's bad or this mm-hmm. animal's bad it's like well 
I bet you I could show you exactly yeah. why that animal tasted like shit. Yep. I, I'll be honest with you, man. A Traeger, game changer for me. The Traeger changed the taste of game to me. Like, I used to just like the grind. Making tacos, enchiladas, whatever. You know, the grind's pretty simple. If it's too gamey for you, you can mix it. You need a 50-50 with whatever, right? It, the Traeger changed it up for me. Yep. You know, tenderloin, backstrap, even like roast, like you said. Just cracking a roast. It, it just game changer it, i don't know it just it's a it's a different one for sure man well listen man we've been going for an hour and eight minutes is there anything else you'd like to say i don't know um not to say this conversation's over but you know if there's anything we missed out that you'd like to talk about anything any pointers or anything well i don't know um I will say this, if, if if you're just getting into hunting and, and you want to hunt other states, unfortunately, you you have to start playing the point game. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I've gotten numerous guys interested in hunting and got them into it. And they said, you know, you need to start. And that's, it's expensive for one. Yes. And I get that. There's a lot of, you know, when I started, I wasn't putting in in all the states that I'm putting in now. But if... If if there's a piece of advice that I would give to somebody who's wanting to hunt more is do some research on some of these western states and maybe pick one and just start building yeah. some points that you can go maybe every two or three years or something in it and because this this whole game is turning into well one a point game and turning even more you got to pay to play and and that's what it sucks if you're not in that game and if you're just started you know my kids are just able to start getting points you know but it's important to try and do that i yeah, think if if, if you want to hunt as much as possible i mean the 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 good thing is a lot of times you're not going to get the draw perhaps you're looking for so you are going to get refunded a good portion of that money but that's kind of i think critical to wanting to get out in the field as much as possible is Start building points. Yeah. The the point game is, uh, it's kind of on tangent a little bit about it. The point game is extremely important. You can only hunt, like you can hunt local every year for now. There is going to be a time where D16 is going to be a draw every year. And nobody's going to want to burn their points on D16, which then inevitably will drop it back down. You know, generally speaking, local guys are hunting here. So, I mean, I think it was like last year D16 was a draw or something like that. It was like recently. It was. Um, The point game is extremely important for California in general because, you know, you can do your second choice. Just continue to grab. You're already in it to win it. The other thing is, is if you're into anything else, you know, if you get coffee every morning, if you get fast food three times a week, if you spend your money on bullshit video games, whatever, whatever you're into. There's always ways to figure it out, to budget yourself in, to apply for at least one state. You know, Arizona's a good option. You know, if you're an archery hunter, you're going to buy a tag to hunt the OTC. Well, it's kind of going downhill now, but, you know, generally speaking, it was it was very good. You were going to buy a license. You were going to buy a tag. You know, the OTC, you might as well just put in, you know, if, you, if Utah's the same thing. I, I seem to think that Utah is going to just uh, kick everybody in the teeth here pretty quick. I think Utah's... It's a great state, but everybody's hunting it now. Um, the general tags are taken, you know, try to <laughs> try to draw like any of the lower units, the general units in Utah. 
Like, dude, you're waiting eight years. You know, five years at least before you even start barking at the door. You know, and it's like that's a general tag. So it, if you're trying to hunt Utah or if you're not and you want to hunt, you need to start putting in, which sucks because you're going to end up buying a license, but you can also hunt those spike units, you know, to save your points. And if you're going to buy a license, you should just apply for all of the species that you want to hunt in that light. It, what is it, 10 or 15 bucks more on top of your license fee to apply for points? Right. You know, it is very important. I'm glad you brought that up because as a new hunter, it would be extremely hard to pony up all that cash. But I think you know deep down inside if hunting is like you. If like you're into hunting, like you're going to give it a go a year, you're going to try it out. And then you're going to realize this is either me or it's not. And if it's not, you're not going to invest any more time into it other than local maybe. And then maybe you'll grow that passion after that. But if you're hooked and you know you're hooked, you need to be buying points in other states. Agreed. Without a doubt. There, there's no other way around it because otherwise you're just going to be hunting local or, you know, a three-point unit here in California or whatever, you know? Yeah, and I would say the another good piece of advice for really anybody, and, you know, I've gone through the full gamut of gear, but buying quality gear and it doesn't have to be necessarily a name brand whatever but just i found the you know a better quality of glass a better quality of rangefinder a qual it's better than buying three or four pieces of shit yep save up for a year and and buy whatever your budget is and maybe your budget's 500 well buy the best 500 dollars glass you can yeah. and then you know with with all these opportunities online, you can sell that yes. online and then now buy the best $800 glass you can buy. And, and that would be really my biggest piece of advice is just get a, you don't have to have a long, just get a gun that you're comfortable with yeah, and get high quality optics. And you know, the clothing, there's so much out there that you probably can't really go wrong with anything anymore, mm-hmm. but it's, it's been a game changer for me, especially when we're packing in to be able to go from, 12 pounds of clothes to four pounds. Yes. You know, and that stuff is pricey, but, you know, if you buy one thing a year, you don't need to buy that stuff very often. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that would be a a huge piece of advice is to, you know, whatever your budget is, do some research and get the top, top of the line, whatever your price point is. Dude, it all boils down to priorities. All right. Look at, I mean, I'm sure you have buddies that go to the desert, right? And they probably don't hunt, but if they were to get into hunting, and then like, man, this is expensive. Dude, what's a one desert trip cost you? One desert trip. Dude, I know a guy that goes to the river. Bro, I swear you buy a set of Swaros every time he goes. You know, I mean, there's dudes that dump a shit ton of money. You go buy one of these fifth wheels that are 35 feet long, and then you got your $100,000 diesel. It's just all what you're into, you know? If, if you're into hunting, it boils down to priorities. And, and like you said, you don't have to have the latest and greatest. But that's, you know, that all swings back into the whole technology thing and that, like, dude, that's what's cool. Like, all of that cool shit costs a lot of money, but you don't need it. Like you said, you're running around with Vipers. Right. Vipers are, price-wise, a far cry from $3,400 in L's. Yeah, they're not Zeiss's or Swirls. Right, or, you know, yeah. and, and, but they're great glass. And like I said earlier, man, I think it was, I don't even think it was Black Friday. They were like $300 at Cabela's for Viper HDs. Yeah, like, you don't get better glass for three hundred dollars than a set of Vipers, dude. Flat that out. That was the I Black Friday sale. Oh, it was. Yeah, I mean, I dude. wish I knew that. I have Diamondback still. So Which ones? Tired. HDs. Yeah. No, they're those good. are great. Those are good. They work. I just got some for Carly, and they they're work. way better than the, the 
OG mm-hmm. Diamondbacks. That's what I had for six years or whatever. Yeah. And that's every animal I killed was with those. So yeah, it, yeah they work. It's sure. just you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. As new guys and gals, don't don't focus so much on having the best thing. I mean, there's three of us in the podcast that shoot Ruger Americans. Literally, right. I mean, we got a couple hundred dollar scopes on top of them. You know, I mean, Timmy, you don't even shoot it. What is? What do you shoot? S S W or S W F A? Yeah, it's like <laughs> doesn't even uh, magnet. It's like a fixed magnification. Timmy kills shit all the time. Like it. I mean, I it, you know. Yeah. So it's exactly you just find something you're comfortable with, yeah. especially with a weapon. I mean, my dad hunted with a two seventy with a fixed six power. Probably killed sixty or seventy animals with it. Yeah. It. You don't have to have. Dude, anything special in that regard, just something that you're comfortable with. You know Bill Simmons? Do you know who that guy is? The he's name a, sounds familiar. He's a firefighter out of Alpine. I think he's out of Alpine. Well, he's way out there. He, he, anyways, dude, he's hunting like a 30-06 that's like 40 years old. Yeah. Kills shit every year. And, you know, he's talking about getting a new gun now, but, I mean, it's, he's comfortable with it. And if you're comfortable, it makes you accurate, and you're killing stuff. Pull right. the trigger, you know you're going to hit it. You know, and that's all comfortability. So, but listen, man, I appreciate it letting us come up here and record with you. Dude, this was a good conversation, covered a lot of stuff. You know, for the listeners, um, if you walk away from this podcast going, I didn't really pick a bunch of stuff out of that, listen to it again because there's a ton of insight in there. Absolutely. This is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, listen to it again if you guys would like. But, man, I appreciate it. What's your Instagram? So, oh, anyone yeah. does want to. Check your stuff out. You gotta look. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna wait for that. But yeah, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for having us up here. No, it's uh I really enjoyed it and you know, like I talked to you on the phone, I'm always willing to help out people who need information or who are, you know, wanting to get into it because it is fun, but you know, they gotta be willing to put the time in. Right. You gotta be willing to work. It's yeah. Kyle period Patterson 79. There you go. Perfect. But yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, man. Thanks thank for you. the beers. Appreciate it. We appreciate it. All righty, guys. We're out of here. See you later. Doo, doo, doo.